Hi guys, welcome to Heart on the Mic brought to you by the Exchange Project. My name is Nadia and I'm here with Ness. And today we have here our special guest, Elizabeth Lara. <laughs> Say hi, Elizabeth. Hey, aka BB. Yeah. <laughs> BB Dizzle for Shizzle. BB Dizzle for Shizzle. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, so what's up, you guys? Just here, getting this a week going. It's been a good Monday, so I can't complain. Yeah, it was such a good weekend. I'm sure we were all busy handling different things, but it's yeah. been good. Good until um I got here and you showed me that video. That <laughs> already had the tears flowing, but <laughs> yeah, so uh, it was good. It was really good. Yeah, Aww. it's actually been a good weekend for us. We had our photo shoot on Saturday, so yeah. we're ready to get that to our feet as well and just ready to wrap up the month with you. It's literally the cherry on top, oh, so that's yeah, right. we're excited. We've been waiting to get to you. This I know, is... I'm so sorry like that it took forever, but <laughs> the month's I'm not here. over yet. Yeah. <laughs> Hot topic and we're getting it done. So yes. that's good. But how exciting. Um yeah, this weekend was fun. We had a photo shoot and kind of took over a coffee shop even got though we, kicked out yeah we kind of got kicked out we weren't supposed to do that oh really that is that what happened? yeah <laughs> yeah they kind of came and said like hey you guys should have called ahead our customers are kind of like thinking they have to go around you guys because we were like all over the place really? in that coffee shop yeah but at least they told us we could come back during the week yeah for another time yeah. so that worked out but who knew photo shoots were so hard and who knew that you two would get kicked out of somewhere <laughs> no if you would if you would have seen what we were doing our photographer Cheryl was like on top of climbing on top of tables okay. and like getting all yeah. these angles so we were asking for it okay yeah it. I'm picturing they it let now, us stay yeah. there longer than we should have yeah we kind of like went and made ourselves at home yeah literally <laughs> we did we really did um but yeah we did that and then BB mentioned that I shared a video with her which was heart for the house um good stuff I got to share my story yeah. for church, and it was awesome. It was such a good experience, and yeah, I just hope that people were touched by it. I don't know. I, I got a good response, but it was definitely hard, and was holding back a lot of tears the whole time, but it was just so beautiful. I love the way they, they put the story together, so it was awesome. All glory. Yeah, but um, so... Bibi is here today, as we promised to you guys, because, sorry, I just called her Bibi. I have to say Elizabeth. <laughs> um, we know her as Bibi, but she is here today to share her story with us about teen pregnancy and just a whole, um, a whole lot of stuff that, you know, we feel like a lot of girls go through at a young age and even, you know, in a later stage in their life, it can happen at any age, at any time, um, going through abusive relationships and pregnancy and just hard times. And so we just want to give her the opportunity to share her story. And so here we are now. And um, Vanessa, do you want to say anything? No, just other than to highlight that the point of her being here today is to touch on the not so talked about topic, which is domestic violence but not just domestic violence but um from a teenager's perspective ex from a teenage experience mm -hmm. so it's two things that are very touchy and it's just something that needs to be talked about and I'm excited that she's willing to open up that part of her heart and those experiences to bring them to the table and to speak to anybody that is 
in either of those shoes or even in both, which is rare to us, but it's real. Yeah. 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 It happens. I'm ready for that. Yeah. So I know Vanessa knows your story because you guys are cousins. Yeah. But I don't know your story. I mean, I, I've known you for years. I've known you as long as I've known Vanessa. But I don't know, you know, the details. Yeah. And so why don't you just go ahead and, and tell us. Um, go ahead and just give us your okay. story. Yeah. You have a background so to it. Yeah. That, you know, for me, that's surprising because I'm, I feel like I am an open book. But I guess I'm open to, like, certain people. Yeah. You know, like, we have known each other so long. I thought you did know a lot of what I've been through, you know, but I guess it's, I guess I do open up to close family members, close, um, very close friends in the past, but not realizing like they really did, you know, respect me and what I've been through. And it wasn't really like blabbed out everywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? So it's kind of like a shock to me to hear that you didn't even really know. Okay. So here it goes. <laughs> I was, um, I want to say 14 when I actually met um, the person who I ended up getting pregnant by at such a young age. Um, actually, no, I was 13, but we didn't really like reconnect until I was 14. And it was really weird how it happened because I met him at school and my sister was trying to, Chris, my oldest sister was trying to like hook us up. And I remember telling her like, you better not be trying to hook me up with this guy. Like, you better not. Like, right now I'm focusing on school, my friends. And I had just gotten kicked out to Par Lake Paris, and I just came back home. So I was like, I'm going to just, you know, in enjoy my time as a teenage girl who my mom already, you know, has no trust in. And I'm just going to continue that way. And so she's, like, trying to introduce me to him. And I'm like, uh-uh, no, don't let it happen Well. He ended up leaving that school, and I want to say eight months to a year later, Molly has a date with someone from her school, and my mom tells me that I have to go with her, and Molly was really young, and I don't know if I should be saying names, but <laughs> <laughs> my younger sister was really young, and um, I went with her, and it happened to be, I don't know, what should we call him? His brother, basically, right? Yeah, his brother, and so he was there with his brother. So we, like, reconnected, I guess. And then after that, like, we pretty much were inseparable. Um, I went to school. I start. I remember starting my freshman year in Orange, and his family, like, babied the heck out of him. So they literally were, like, looking for somewhere to move, and they moved that way because they saw how much he was into me, and the grandma just wanted him to, like, settle down. And What? That's crazy. Yeah. But this is, like, at... Like, how old is so he? Was I was he a lot older than you? No, one year older than me. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's crazy to think at that age that somebody's oh, already mean, thinking that yeah. they want your grandson to settle down. Yeah, it was yeah. crazy, but that's how it was. That's how it kind of still is in his family. But So he ended up moving that way towards Orange, and then he would, like, pick me up after school. We would hang out, and then before you know it, I'm pregnant at the age of 15. My Literally my freshman year of high school, I found out in October or November that I was pregnant and I was like whoa what is my mom going to say what is she going to do but at the same time like I had such a hard time at home that like I remember my mom always telling me oh god it's too early for tears no worries, <laughs> but I remember like <laughs> my mom always telling me like the minute you get pregnant Elizabeth you're out of here <laughs> and I was like okay well I guess that's not a bad you know that's that's a deal breaker like <laughs> yeah so I didn't really take care of myself 
but um but I knew what what I was doing I knew what the outcome could have been and and you know I remember my mom telling me that I had to go to a like a woman's shelter type of thing for young moms and then his family just kind of fought for me saying no you can just let her live with us and you won't have to worry about anything we'll take care of her and that's what happened at the age of 14 I was living with my boyfriend and I was pregnant and it was hard because you don't realize like yeah you're in love or you puppy love whatever you know whatever you think at that moment that it is you're like excited, like, oh, okay, I'm going to live with my boyfriend. But my goodness, I didn't think I was going to miss my siblings the way I did. I didn't think I was going to miss, you know, the chaos in my household the way I did. And even though things were like the house that I lived in was nice and we didn't have to struggle or worry about anything, I missed my family. And I didn't care what they had or what they didn't have. Like, I missed my family. And then around that time... I remember I was already like eight months pregnant and it was the first time that he had um, put hands on me. He was used to getting his way and very babied and very um, codependent on his aunt and his grandmother. And I, I didn't want to, I don't know if it was like I didn't want to watch a movie with him. I was tired. I was pregnant and he slapped me. And I remember, like, thinking, what in the world is going on? Like, I was so against, like, men or anybody hitting a woman, you know, because of what I saw growing up. But I, I remember going down to the kitchen and telling his aunt, can you please take me home? Your nephew just hit me. And she was like, I can't get in the middle of this. And I was like, wow. So I, I told him that I was going to walk home. And I started walking, like, to my mom's, and he followed me and just started, like, banging his head on the concrete floor. Like, literally, bulges started, like, showing up, like, wow. on his head. And um, just telling me that if I left, he was going to hurt himself. And that's where I just felt stuck. Like, instantly, you knew... That's like, so it was either me getting a phone call that the father of my unborn child is gone or dealing with a slap here and there. So how long did it take you that night to decide to go back home with him? So I was walking and he literally chased after me and, like, there were cars going by and watching what he was doing. So I even felt like, oh my gosh, I need to just go back to the house with him. So I didn't even make it to my mom's house. And then his family would tell me, like, don't tell don't tell your family what he does because then they're going to hate him. And I was like naive and young and okay. Well, after I had my daughter, it just got worse. It just got so much worse. Like I was just home every weekend pretty much by myself. He would hit me. He would start fights just so he could go out. And honestly, like I was okay with him leaving because for me it was like a relief. Um, and my daughter gave me all the love that I needed. You know what I mean? And so that's what kept me going with my daughter and the love I had for her. So stepping into like a different family dynamic since you grew up in a different atmosphere and a different, you know, scene than what he did. He had all that he ever wanted mm -hmm. that he asked for. He got it when you grew up, you seen that you had to work for what you mm -hmm. wanted. 
and that there was even a struggle for those providing to yeah. give you what you wanted. So having that knight in shining armor basically step into mm-hmm. your life and then finding out that you were pregnant by him, at what point was there the shift in your mind to where it's like, wow, my, my dream is turning into a nightmare? What were your thoughts in that transition? Were you, so, did you think he was going to change or? Yes, I always thought he would change. Um, but more so I felt like, okay, you're 15, you have a daughter, he, he gets you to school because I continued like teen mom program school. Um, his family, you know, made sure that I ate, they made sure I had everything that I needed, but more so than like feeling like I was living my nightmare. All I kept thinking was, where am I going to take my daughter if I leave him? It's scary. That's definitely a scary thing because it's not like so easy to just pick up and go. Yeah. And you have like also the threat of like, I'm going to harm myself or I'm going to harm you or just thinking about your safety, your daughter's safety. So there's so many different things that can put fear in you and hold you back from like making the right decision. And I'm sure like, even if you, had chosen to do that like who knows what would have happened but I'm sure your family like would have been there and it's crazy to think like I could have made a different choice and it could have all been right different and I never told my family like I really kept it to myself and I know some family members thought like what's wrong with her now like she's different but they just like thought and assumed like okay she's she's she living like, now like or she's living a married life like let's not bother her like like, pretty much, she's out of, like, the ghetto, let's, quote-unquote, okay? And let's let her live her life, let her do her thing, because she's being taken care of. And I think that's how they perceive me. And, yeah, maybe some, like, some people did see, like, or think that, oh, because she has what she needs now, like, forget our family, you know what I mean? But um, nobody really was able to, like, notice or tell what I was going through. And that's the scary part, because... I have daughters who are 18 and 14 and like I think sometimes like the stuff that I went through at their age I would like not ever want them to go through that and it's like how do you know unless they like show you or let you in you know because I hit it I hit it really well like like that's scary how much like I was able to hide it from all my family who was close to me. What emotions did you feel having to get through that versus having people in his family knowing what's going on and who are covering for how it's the two extreme different ends of the spectrum to where you're hiding it from your family, but their family knows and they want to do nothing about it for you. In a sense, it's kind of like, they were enabling it. Oh, definitely. But you know, at the moment I was so young that it's like, I don't want to use this word, but did you feel manipulated? Brainwashed. Okay. Because they reeled me in. And and even like when, before I got pregnant, his grandma used to like buy us alcoholic beverages and his cigarettes and just kind of like say, Oh, you guys can go up to his room and do whatever you want just to keep him home. So she, so in a way, that's like, like, would I do that with one of my children? No. Yeah. Would I allow another person's child to like, 
oh, go on, go in the room with my daughter. I want her home, so I'll buy you guys alcohol and I'll buy your cigarettes and do whatever you want, you know? Yeah. So that right there just kind of already should have shown me. But then again, I was only 14, 15 years old. Yeah. And there's also that perspective, like I've heard a lot when it's like, oh, well, you can't tell because you're going to ruin his life. And what if he goes to jail and you're not going to have anybody or, you know, like there's so many like things that people could throw at you to say, well, you know, like you said, don't tell because your family's going to hate him. Yeah. Like that was an excuse. And like, I, okay, I get it to an extent, like I'm married now and like, it's not a perfect marriage. I love him and he loves me and things are good, but there's times that we have arguments and it's like, you have to pick and choose what you do want the world to know or see and what you don't, because I do get that part. Like someone can just misread something and be like, Oh, we don't like them because they said this to you. Like I get that part, but to keep violence hidden like that, it's like, why, why was it done to me? Like, why were they allowing me to get hurt yeah. be, and be okay with it? Because yeah. there's those things that, you know, we're, we've all been married. We're all married. And there's those things that you're like, okay, I could handle this on my own. And I know for myself, there's things that I'm just like, I have to go to somebody. Yeah. Like, I have to speak up about this. And I feel like you didn't have that opportunity. Yeah. And that's why I say it was kind of brainwashed because I kind of was brainwashed because, um, so just to point out a few times that I was abused, um, I remember him getting very upset with me because it was Christmas Eve and his family didn't really like get together like my family did. So I remember we went to my family's and I was still pregnant. And and then after that, I told him, well, let's get your family together. So like they all made it made an effort to be at our where we lived at his aunt's, you know, and we did our Christmas Eve and he wasn't used to that. Like he was not used to that. And so we did. And then once everybody was done opening presents, I want to say it was like two in the morning by then I was tired and pregnant. And because I didn't, and I, I still remember the movie, you guys, it was eight heads in a duffel bag <laughs> Wow. because that's the tragedy that my mind picked up. You know, like I even remember the movie we thought about, I was falling asleep while the movie was playing and he hated that. He always wanted me to stay up and watch movies with him. And because I was, like, falling asleep, like, he grabbed me by my hair, kind of threw me across the room, and I was pregnant. And saw we our room was upstairs, and he socked the glass window to where all the glass shattered to, to the bottom, and his family heard and ran up. And they saw me just, like, crying and my hair a mess. And they're like, what are you doing? And... You know, that was the mo the the worst that he got was, what are you doing? Why are you hurting her? Like, that was the worst that he ever had to hear about how he treated me. And it was because I felt was falling asleep watching a movie with him. Um, another time, like, he knew that I loved my hair really long. And, like, he came charging at me with scissors. And I I was thinking, this is it. My life's over. Like, this is it. Like. This is the moment he's going to finally, like, take my life. Because I saw him charging at me with scissors. And the first thing you think is, they didn't, like, stab me, right? So he just grabbed me by my hair and just started chopping pieces of my hair off. And I remember I still go to the same hairstylist, Nina. (laughs) And I remember her telling me, what'd you do to your hair? And I'm just like, (laughs) 
Mina, just please cut it as short as you can, but give it style. And I remember that 4th of July, I have pictures of how short my hair was. And my family was like, what? why did you cut it so short? And I was like, because it's summertime. Like, I wanted something new, something different. And, like, they were like, okay, it, it looks good on you, but I, I can't, we can't believe you cut it so short. Like, I went from my hair being, like, touching, like, my butt to, like, to bowl cut. Yeah, to, like, right under my ears. But my hairstylist made it look to where, like, there was layers and I could just flare like it out. Like, somebody hadn't come and chopped yeah, your hair like off. Yeah, someone didn't do that. Yeah. yeah. So, and then another time, like, a broomstick to my ankle and I got a hairline fracture. Wow. And I had a lie and say that I slammed it on the car door. Like, just, Wasn't there a story that you said that you fell down the stairs or something? I think that was it. I think that was it because I remember saying like that I hit it on the bathroom door and then another time that I, you know, like, I don't know. Honestly, now that I'm thinking that I don't remember. There were so many times that yeah. I was hit and abused and... I mean, these are just the times I Any remember. Any other yeah. major injuries that you had, yeah. that you reflect on now? Like, how the hell did I believe, make um, myself believe that that lie was believable? So, he kicked me in my head one, one day. Like, I swear it was like a Bruce Lee movie. Like, he, like, jumped up in the air. And I, I, I say this, like, it's not funny, but it was, like, it was You're so... You're making it funny. Like, it was so crazy how it happened. Like, I just see him in the air and just his, like, his leg just come at my head. And that's all I had remembered until I woke up on the floor. And my daughter, who is 14 now, she was just caressing me, rubbing my cheek. And I had blood everywhere. He had gashed my head open. And I, I remember waking up and seeing my daughter, like, caressing me that it made me so angry like I got up I didn't understand what was happening yet and I got up and I looked in the mirror and I saw and, and I could just just from seeing his face when I got up and just him saying like what did I do what did I do and holding his head like I was like what is going on you know because I was used to getting him hitting me in the head and that was where he hit me the most so that people wouldn't see bruises or anything like he always hit my head to where, like, I would literally, like, I would tell, like, after my family knew about it, I would say, like, like, in the cartoons when they put, like, the stars around the characters, like, it's true, like, you literally, like, see lights just go around. And, um, I remember looking in the mirror and seeing my hair was blonde, so, like, half of my head was full of blood. And I just ran downstairs as fast as I could to the phone and I called his dad because his dad was not okay with him hitting me like he was not okay with it and his dad sent the cops that day and when the grandma and aunt got home I remember the grandma seeing the cops and very upset that her grandson was in handcuffs mm -hmm. and she came up to me and looked at my head and she goes it's not even that bad wow. and I was like wow and that was my last that was the last time that I ever listened to what she had to say or, you know, although he only got eight days of house arrest, I did make sure that the DA picked up charges because at that point I was like, to see my daughter have to like see that, that's when I was just like, no, this yeah. is not going to happen. So circling back to that, as far as the kids 
was it something that he was unashamed of to do in front of them or did it just get to that closer to the end of your last straw I think I protected him I ended up becoming like his family protecting him so every time I saw him starting to get agitated or like the beating was going to come on um I always put my daughter in her room and I would just say like watch this or you know I would let her entertain herself and I'd like go to the room close the door and lock it because I I kind of already knew when he was going to hit me Mm -hmm. and I pretty much like I was like get it over with before our daughter comes in and sees and it wasn't until like his brother moved in the house and he would hear it sometimes but he would try to block it out but the times where like he knew he had to intervene he would break down our door and like get him off of me and I remember he would say, like, what, what's your problem? If you want to hit someone, come and hit me. Hit a man. Hit me. I'm your brother. Come and hit me. And I'll forever, like, I'll forever be grateful to his brother for that. <laughs> he had somebody to stand up for you. Yeah. Like, he cared enough. Like, he was human enough to care enough. To stand up against his own brother because it was right to and not try to protect him like the rest of the family. And I'm sure, like you said, he moved in, so it must have been taken from the time you moved in to him moving in. How long was that? Oh, that was, it was, um, so it must have been, we were together about seven years, so five years after. So for five five years, years. this behavior continued until he moved in, and he starts telling his brother, like, back off of her. Wow. Did it make it increase because his brother got, he got um, no. mad that his brother was intervening? No, he did He did hit me less. Okay. Yeah. And what about his behavior? Was there anything else that factored into it? Or oh, was yeah. it just his upbringing? Or did he it drink was, a lot? Or? Yeah, it was a lot of being enabled. Like, uh, like if he wasn't such a, so enabled, then it wouldn't have gotten to this point. But he was like a binge- Binge drinker, binge Vicodin user, binge weed smoker, like, he would go, like, months doing, like, just drinking, and then I guess that would bore him, and then he would do months of, like, Vicodin, like, it was just, I I could, at the time, like, I couldn't say, like, oh, he's a drug addict, I didn't see it that way, but, yeah, there were times that, like, I don't ever remember him sober, I, you know, found out later, you know, that he cheated on me a lot like every weekend that he wasn't home was he was with somebody else but you know it made it hard it made it hard on me being like a teen mom because it's so funny because I was so committed and focused on my daughter that like even though all this was going on just her presence with me was like kind of how like when you get to know God you know like just his presence is all you need And with my daughter, that's how I felt, like, just having her next to me was all I needed. And I felt like, you can go ahead, do whatever you want to me, like, because I already know you're going to end up leaving for the night. And I would get excited when he would leave because then I could sleep next to my daughter. So there were a few times that I would, like, pack my my bags. And literally when I say bags, they were, like, those black trash bags. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I didn't have luggage. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like, I was 
I lived with him since I was 14, and when it finally ended, I was 21. But um, I remember, like, telling him when there were times that I just couldn't handle it. Like, I could not handle the beatings. I could not handle the way I felt inside, and I missed my family. And my daughter at this time was so close and attached to me that in my mind, like, if I left, no matter where I went, my daughter was going to be with me. And there were times that I would say, that's it, I'm leaving. And I would pack my bags and he would be hitting me, beating me. But I would still like, I don't care what you're going to do. I'm leaving. And I would like call either one of my aunts or, or someone to come pick me up. And when he knew that someone was on their way, he would back off because he was really um, good at kind of Faking. Yeah, making himself look like he's not really doing the things that he's been doing, you yeah. know? So I would leave, and then he would always come, like, beg me back, cry for me. I'm going to change. I promise you I won't hit you. I can't I can't do it without you and my daughter. And he would come, like, the day after he partied. So he'd look really bad, like, where I would think, like, okay, he's going to do something to himself, you know? And he always threw that in there. So I would always go back feeling bad because by this time I thought I did love him. And then finally the, the, finally the time I said, nope, this is it. Like I left and I left for like three to four months until he came and I was staying with a couple who were Christian and, you know, he would come visit and they allowed that. And then they got to know him and he begged for me to take him back. And I said, no. I finally found somewhere where I'm taken care of, like where I'm considered, you know, and he like squeezed his way back into my life. And I remember telling him, you can come see me and, and our daughter, but there's no guarantee that I'm going back with you. And if we were to get back together, we are not going back to live with your family. So he ended up talking to the couple I was living with, and they said, look, we don't mind you coming here. We don't mind if you want to spend the night with her, but you guys cannot do anything like that unless you were married. And the way, you know, they kind of, they said, like, keep keep how keep it how as is right now. Like, you're coming and spending time, you know, let her see a change in you before anything drastic. But what did we do? We jumped the gun, and we went and got married mm -hmm. as soon as I turned 18. And so he moved in with me. We were, you know, we were doing good. And then little by little, he just started convincing me, let's go back to my aunt's house. Let's go back. And, and I did, because when you're, when you're in a kind of domestic, um, abusive relationship like that, that person already knows what they can do to, to manipulate you and brainwash you. And he knew that he could be good for so long, but he was like, now that I think about it, he was like getting antsy and itching inside to like the thing when I would make him upset, he couldn't just hit me or, or, you know, punish me like he wanted to, because we were living in a Christian household that he knew they would not accept that. And it's, you're right. It's when it comes to the abuse, it's not only physical, it's mental. And I think that's where people don't really know how to read the signs yeah. and like you said you became secluded from your family mm -hmm. and they thought it was just normal but in reality it was a sign of the 
mental abuse that you were already experiencing for you to feel like you had to hide away instead of reach out because you were just going through so much yeah. and just wanted to suppress it. Yeah, exactly. And while you, when you're in it, you don't see that. You don't, you can't recognize that because it's like your mind is so warped. You know, like you're caught in between something or someone you think you love or you do love. You think that this person is good for you and you keep thinking that things are going to get better, especially when children are involved. It makes it even that much harder because you want to give your child that life without a broken family. And it's harder because they learn how to play the part. Like I was talking to someone this week about our interview coming up and they were saying how um, some someone, a mutual friend of your guys's when you were dating was just in complete shock when they found out about it because there's like, no, he was such a good guy, cool person mm-hmm. to be around, mm-hmm. great. And mm-hmm. he was just in awe when he found out mm-hmm. what you experienced being in the relationship Yeah, because it's not something you openly talked about. So what do you think as far as people who do go through the physical or even mental abuse, why don't they speak out on it? Is it because they want to protect their abuser? They don't know how to process it. Why didn't you speak out about it so soon? What What do you feel like it was? I think it's because you think that that person is going to change and you want to believe that they love you enough to change that why would you want to like put out their dirty laundry if you're you're going to stay with them and mm. you're believing in something good to yeah. come out of it or how about this you know obviously all of this happens in closed doors yeah but was it a totally different picture when you guys were out in public mm. and like say you guys went out with your daughter or like what was that like was he just putting on this whole different face and you were just going along or was that when you would see him mm-hmm. you know when it wasn't behind closed doors did you believe that was the person that you wanted him to be you're getting to a good point because he would baby me with materials like um bracelets necklaces um stuff so much so much Mercedes Mercedes Benz at the age of 19 you know so many things like my first car was a Honda Civic brand new off the lot you know like I I wanted a a three-bedroom apartment and we got that you know what I mean and we were like 17 18 years old um he he flattered me so yes outside of the house it was like I was his princess And I was this princess who had her daughter so close to her because we knew what went on behind closed doors. That's why my daughter never left my side. But he had me to where people thought, dang, she's she's treated like a queen, not a princess. And so he put on this persona that he's this, like, good, loving um, Husband. husband who provides beyond, you know, and... He always wanted attention, like love, love and affection. So like it looked like he was giving it to me, but it was really because he wanted it. Yeah. Or to make him look good that yeah. he was doing that for you. Yeah. So yeah. It, and I and so it goes back to what that mutual friend was thinking because yeah, in, in people's eyes, they're like, wait, how could that guy who treats his wife like she's a treasure, how could he have treated her that way? But he did. Well, a lot of times I think it's like 
maybe he was doing it for himself to cover up or to paint a picture of a life that he, you know, wanted to pretend that he had, but didn't exactly. And he wanted to, you know, put on a picture of, of something that he wasn't. Yeah. And you know, the sad part is that, I mean, I can be the first to admit this and it's really hard, but it's the truth (laughs) that because when we finally did separate and when we separated, he left me. He left me for someone that worked at his family's restaurant. (laughs) So it made it even that much harder, you know. But after that, like, I became the abuser, like, in my relationships after that. Like, I became him. Yeah. Yeah, and... Until I had to realize, like, what are you doing? You're not him. Like, you're not going to get treated like that again, so don't. Like, I had to break down these walls that, yeah, that, that were so, like, sturdy and firm and thick that, like, guarded my heart because I was so scared, like, to go through that again. I was so scared to love, like, that again. Yeah, so your past started to affect your, your current relationships and being able to build trust and so... It, it began to challenge your character. It did. And who you were. It did. And how did that change you? Oh, gosh. That's been, to this day, it's it haunts me because I became someone who I wasn't. And see, women, we're more emotional and we're more like, we'll show it. Unlike men who, they can hide it, you know what I mean? So, like, everyone saw how I was. And it sucked because I would be like, I would have flashbacks of what he would do to me in the moments that I was finding myself acting like him. And then I'd be like, oh my God, this is what he did to me. Like I didn't, to this day, I still don't understand how like I became him. But for a little bit, I was becoming everything he had put me through. Like I was starting to be that person. Yeah. So you had kind of gone from being the victim to taking on those characteristics. And I mean, it's hard, you know, I would say like, it's something that you have to overcome. And I, and I am like, I, I I can say today I am overcoming, although there, there still are like trust issues and my husband can like vouch to them. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) My poor husband. (laughs) He's like, he's had to tell me sometimes, like, I am not your ex. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and he's right. Like, I've taken out the way I should have treated my ex is how sometimes I can treat my husband now. Because yeah. So you never fought back. I Did never you? You never back. fought back. No. And now you feel like I need to fight mm, yes. for myself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel like you're more on the spec, like on the, on the side? Because I feel like you could either lean towards becoming the victim and staying in that mentality, Mm -hmm. or do you think you're more in the, I'm like overcoming this? I'm more in the, I'm overcoming this, but I still have a lot of emotional distress that causes me to act out irrational sometimes, but I already know where it comes from. And the fact that I can point it out and be like, this is coming from here makes me know that I'm going to overcome it completely because if I couldn't see it 
then how would I know what to work on? Yeah. But since I can see it, like, I know what to work on. Yeah. Although I want to say that I would change a lot, you know? It made me who I am today. Yeah. And what would you say to somebody who is currently struggling with, you know, that mental abuse, that physical abuse, or somebody who's on the edge of already walking away from that relationship? What's the next step? What's the, what are your thoughts behind that? Take care of yourself. Don't, don't think of the person who's hurting you. Take care of you. Like, seriously, take care of you first. Because even though you love that person and you want to help them and you want to see them get better, how are you going to help them when you can't even take care of yourself? And since you mentioned, too, that there are still things that you can admit that you know where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and that you need to work through and that there was a point in your life that you seen you were becoming him, Mm -hmm. what advice would you give to someone who's successfully stepped out of it to be able to come back into society the person that they know they should be and not into someone who's just being completely defensive do they seek the right help are they going to be honest about what they need to be honest about who you are be honest about the effects that that you now deal with because like I said earlier like if you cannot see where you're problems are then how are you going to get the help you need for yourself how are you going to change it because think of the person who abused you and then picture yourself like that you don't want to end up like that so find the find a support group whether it be your family I'm fortunate that you know my family was my church family I'm very fortunate you know like otherwise I don't know where I would be right now you know if I didn't have a pastor who's my uncle, if I didn't have cousins who are part of the ministry, like, where would I be today? Yeah. I don't know. So it's very important to have that support group and people you can trust. And um, therapy. I've had, to, I've had to go to therapy. I've had to. And coming from the family that we come from, therapy is not something so widely talked about no. because of the the. Nope. Stigma. The yeah, stigma. stigma. Like so what do you a... say to someone who grew up like you, who comes from that lifestyle, the you know, that type of the Latino background towards like you don't tell anybody your problems to wanting to suggesting to go to a counselor? What what do you say to that person? Um, what I say is they give you they point out things that you can do for yourself that you wouldn't have thought on your own to do. And those those um things that they tell you to do for yourself they help things that like me even going to church. I didn't realize like we're going to help me helped. Um, also just being able to let it out and, and, and tell like everything that you felt in that moment, everything that you went through in that moment and not be judged, but someone who's there to tell you, look, you can do this, this, and that to be able to get through all that. It's just, it's like a relief. If these things that, you know, a therapist tells you to do, they help in that manner. You know, it is, it's like medicine. Yeah, I mean, you can either deal with the bitterness and resentment and hold everything in. And I think that's, that's where, you know, people stay quiet about it because it's like, you don't want to hear the opinions of everyone. And you, there's things that you don't want to hear. You know, I'm sure like when you were going through you you were going through things 
you were probably thinking somebody's going to tell me, well, like, you should have known better or why didn't you speak up? But it's like you weren't in that situation. Mm -hmm. You don't know how hard Mm -hmm. it was for me to speak up. And then to finally have somebody that you can go to and that it's like, okay, like, just tell me everything. I'm not going to judge you, but I'm going to help you get through this so that you don't become this angry, bitter person and that it doesn't continue to affect your character in a negative way then yes, it's 100% beneficial. And it's like you said, like it is that medicine. It's it's yeah. healing. You know, we, our body stresses over things like this and it makes you physically sick. Like it, I'm sure you went through like depression. Oh and, yes, big time. Yeah. And so. And seeking the help too mm-hmm. can keep you from becoming that person yes. you don't want to yeah. become. And keep you from that depression that comes along with everything that you hold inside another thing too is yes talk about it and get it out but also don't keep talking about it mm-hmm. talk about it to the right yeah people yeah too. because so there's true. some groups of friends who are going to be a yeah. true support system mm-hmm. another thing too is like you don't want to like put yourself in this pity party either mm-hmm. because what you've gone through in life isn't to put you in a pity party, but it's to strengthen you mm-hmm. and to help you. And, and talking about it is to help you overcome it, not to stay in it, yeah. you know? And that's, that's a main thing. Cause that's not healthy. You so, know what I mean? That's not the healthy way to talk about it and let it out. The healthy way is to either see a therapist, have a support system, a support group who is going to allow you to get it all out because it's poison inside of you, but not to just, let it just leave it, get it out and, and leave it like that. No, but then to fill you up with positivity and then push it aside. Yeah. So you have the decision to transform from a victim to a survivor. Yes. What do you feel has made you a survivor? Oh gosh. The fact that I'm still here. (laughs) The fact that now like I can talk about it. The fact that as hard as it is for me to like still to this day to forgive him Mm -hmm. the fact that I can say like I feel sorry for him because of who he was that makes me a survivor to not hate him the way that like I wanted to hate him yeah and I want to ask you how do you see yourself now you said you're the survivor so if you can just look at yourself and say something, you know, speak life into yourself, what would you say? So right now, as you're telling me this, like, the word just came to my mind, like, bold. And I would say brave. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because you have been, and last week was supposed to be the day, but, you know, we had a little hiccup, but you're brave because you're here. Yeah. You made the decision to say, no, I'm not going to let fear cripple me. Yes. I'm going to speak the truth, and I'm going to tell my story. I'm going to step into that braveness and let me speak out on what I've experienced because you know that your story has power. So most definitely you are being brave, even speaking of the details that you have. talked about so that's actually a new word for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's yours you own it you own it you deserve it you've been through so much that you need to take these words into yourself and never speak less of yourself than that never speak less of yourself than that because you had to go through all of this to come to a point and say 
all of this happened to me and I am bold and I am brave and I am strong and I am courageous. I couldn't even say that. I never, you know, like I know it doesn't have anything to do with that. I went through my situation with losing Brian. Like I felt like the tiniest thing on earth. I felt, I don't know. And I'm sure that you just feel like so small and to have the confidence to come back up and and build yourself back up and say, this is who I am and accept it and own it. You own it. But now that you own it, you need to take that definition of brave into different aspects of your life. Not only being from um, the situation of being a domestic violence survivor, but now into other challenges that come into your life that you remind yourself that, hey, I carry the title brave. How am I going to bring it into this challenge now? How am I going to be an (laughs) overcomer? And you know, but as long as you know that you have that power in you, you're going to be able to conquer all those those things that come against you. And this encouragement right here is what victims need to do. They need to speak out to get this encouragement right here. To remind you who you are. Girl, we And got to bring you. it out of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, um, we're really proud of you. Thank this you. This is, um, you know, it's something big. Like I said, not a lot of people get the opportunity to do this. But, you know, not only... Are, are you just um, sharing your story with us? You're getting ready to share your story with a lot of people. Yeah. And um, you've mentioned to us that you are writing a book. Yeah, and I've, I've oh my gosh. like She I, hasn't told people, but we can put it on here, I guess, yeah, now. So, um, <laughs> oh, you know, and Nadia's filling the beans. I'm always <laughs> the one. She is. Okay. I don't know how much longer it's going to take, but I've been, you know, um, writing and so far, like what I have written, like the family members who have read it, they're just like, wow, this is, it keeps you wanting to read it. And it's just me pouring out like the many challenges and, and things that I've faced that I didn't want to deal with. But now I know why, like, because I'm not the kind of person who will stay quiet. I'm the kind of person who's going to share my sadness and my my hurts and my pain so that when I do accomplish what I'm supposed to in this life, like nothing that happened to me was ever in vain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That it was all for a reason. And if it's to help one person, the Bible says the shepherd leaves the 99 for that one. <laughs> and that's what I stand by. You're speaking out for yeah. that one. Yeah, that's beautiful. And now that I said it, you're going to have to, I'm, we're keeping you accountable oh, I'm doing to it. it. Like she's, she's already keeping me accountable. And I have like so much written since our last yeah. meeting, you know, when Aww, we all sat down. Yes. I've like doubled that what I had. Good. At the moment, that's what so. we love to yeah. hear. It's all about building up. We're your cheerleaders. We're yeah. cheering you on. Go baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're cheering you on. We back you up 100%. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. And likewise, you know, as I do you guys. I'm proud of you guys, and like you said, I've known you as, you've known me as long as you've known Vanessa, or Ness, and um, you guys, I've I've watched you guys, like, be little, like, teeny boppers to, like, you are flourishing <laughs> into these women who I'm proud of, and I was never a teeny bopper, <laughs> okay, but I see your, you know, I see your guys' vision, like, coming into effect, and it's just, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share my story with you guys by my side. 
Well, thank you thank for being you. our first guest. Yeah. And do you have anything else to say before we wrap up? Um, no, I just want to thank you. Thank you for opening up, for sharing your story. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, I know that a lot of people out there are going to relate. I know a lot of hearts are going to be touched, you know, and maybe somebody out there knows somebody that's going through it. Maybe yeah. it's not necessarily like the person that's being abused but somebody that knows somebody who can say hey you need to listen to this you need to listen to this girl and you know that's what we always hope and pray for that everything that we're doing here you know taking this time for you to share your story it it has a purpose and we believe that 100 percent. so we just really are excited and you know we want to we're excited to see the response that we get, but I know your story is going to be very powerful. So thank you so much. Thank you for that. And yeah. I'm excited too for the rest of the episodes, you know, because um, I know it's going to touch me and, <laughs> you know, with the million things that I've been through, I know there's going to be one down the line that's going to be like, that's the math. Oh my God, I don't even know what this just did to me. <laughs> So, thank you again. Thank you. We're definitely going to have to bring her back again. Yeah, talk about more stuff. Yeah. But thank you guys for joining us today. This is Heart on the Mic. And once again, it's Ness and Nads with BB. BB Dizzle today showing, (laughs) sharing on her experience. And if you guys feel like this episode has led to any further thoughts or even questions that we didn't even touch on, please be sure to send out an email or send out a DM. If you want um, us to address any questions, we can make sure to get them over to BB, and I know she'll be more than happy to get in contact with you if it's a question directly to her. And um, with that being said, we hope that you also are able to share it with other people and I'm going to switch it over to Nadia so she can go with her ending announcements. Yeah guys so like always we appreciate all the love you guys give us on social media and we are so thankful for you guys being our followers and sticking with us as we continue to work on putting out episodes for you guys so please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, all of those good things that you're able to do on social media. Give us a follow if you haven't already um we're on instagram at heart on the mic and um yeah that is it it. this is nats ness and bb dizzle checking out that's a wrap it's a wrap wrap. (laughs) (laughs) bye guys